Hello, and welcome to episode 40 of Lay Film. My name is Kevin, one of your co-hosts, and as per usual, we have... Tyler. Uh, Patrick. And Richie. And it feels great to be back. It's been a while. Uh, I feel like we say that every single episode. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> the holidays. It's the holidays. We've been kind of, we've been kind of sluggish the last like two months, but we powered through. We powered through. It's about to be the new year. Twenty twenty two. Is this episode forty? Mm-hmm. Oh, episode forty. Pew, pew, Big four zero. All right, we're getting close to four twenty. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we're right there. Basically, right. Yeah. So yeah, what's everyone been up to? Um. Hmm. You know, I've actually watched. I watched a lot of movies during this like hiatus time we've had, which has been nice. So I got a lot of movies to talk about with you guys. But I just, I've, I feel like I've just been doing the same stuff. Working. I work in the mall during Christmas time, so my work life is crazy every day. So when I get home, I just want to sit down and <laughs> not talk to anybody. Just be like, leave me alone. Completely understandable. But I also am a total extrovert. So I, like, I also malfunction when I'm alone too long. <laughs> you get Man, a lot of your energy from just being at work in general. Yeah, I get it. I get it all out at work, and then I'm like chilling, and I'm like, Damn. yeah. I saw your I saw your snap when <laughs> when you were bartending <laughs> the uh, the whole flood thing, floodgate. Yeah, we had our a pipe burst in our bar, and like you couldn't turn it off, and whole bar was flooding during like two days before Christmas. And it was like so busy. It was a shit show. But no, that's, I've been good. Work has actually been good. I took like a mini vacation during this time too. Me and Abby went to Bodega Bay for like three days. And then I got three days off for Christmas too, so. I've and I love two mini vacations this month, so. I'm doing I love, good. I love that area. It's so tight. Dude, yeah, it's so nice out there. It was raining the whole time, which is kind of a bummer, but it's kind of been raining this whole month which is good yeah goodness knows we need it <laughs> for the trees good for me too because I like being lazy <laughs> so like, not being lazy like I still be productive but I like being in sweats and just like chilling at the house <laughs> yeah I, I'm the same way the rain makes me so like unproductive <laughs> like ever since this month started I decided like I haven't been in gym in like over two weeks and I feel so bad. I'm like, God damn it. I was like powering through the first half of this year, like really well. I feel and then like when it hit December, yeah, Whew, it was tough. I feel like yeah, Christmas, December time is like not the time to be trying to do a diet or like <laughs> making major life changes or even yeah, work out every day. It's like, 
right you're eating bad food you're probably drinking a little bit more you're just that's what the new year is for to cleanse your body and soul <laughs> make make resolutions based on like the last yeah. you know five to six weeks of the year yep. and then you sin again for another 11 and a half months <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm like the opposite way when it. Or I think I'm kind of like similar to Tyler, like when it rains. Like, I, I mean, because yeah, it's just been raining a lot this month where where we are, and like, I don't know. I find that I have been more productive in this month than I have been in like the past three months, like altogether. And it feels like really cool because it's like, oh, I have an excuse to stay inside now, even though like I hardly ever go out or do things like I'm always at home just like chilling in my own little world uh, but like oh sorry sorry I'll let you finish oh oh yeah but um but yeah like the, the rain like gives you an excuse to like stay inside I mean like although I love going outside while it's raining and just I don't know enjoying it but I don't know it gets me to be like okay no more distractions like sit down and do something productive and I don't know. I've just been enjoying it. I've been writing a lot, which is really cool. So yeah, oh. I'm excited about that. Nice. Have you been writing? Like, what have you been? What kind of material? Well, um, I'm. I currently have like this little writing challenge that my friend and I are doing, and we uh, send each other a script at, with like notes, and um, you know, we each like have different passes over the scripts and stuff. But, um, so I've been, like, working on, like, a vampire script, um, like, one that has to do with, like, that kind of stuff. Um, that one was really cool. Um, and then right now I'm, I'm working on, like, a TV series, or not a TV series, but, like, a web series that I want to do about, like, a space station out in, like, like, out on, like, the fringes of the Milky Way. That sounds so rad. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one I'm really excited about. Dude, I want to check out your script. I want to see Kevin's Star Trek, maybe? <laughs> Star, <laughs> some Star Trek, like Solaris vibes. It's yeah. dark. R-rated. <laughs> yes. Do you guys want to hear what it's about? Yes. All right. Sure. Logline, logline. Oh, yeah, logline. All right, um... Two uh, astronauts are on a space station on the fringes of the Milky Way where the where it meets the, Andro the Andromeda galaxy. And due to the inevitable convergence of the two, they have been sent to the station to monitor uh, intergalactic species that pose a threat to humanity. So they are basically like sentinels or like guards on like a watch post out in like the furthest recesses of the universe, um, preventing potentially malicious creatures from entering the Milky Way and like, yeah, to, um, and then if they find that they're a threat, they have to like, I don't know, they go, they study these creatures and then they develop a way to produce mass extinction to save humanity at all costs. Like no matter the threat, how how uh, big or small. Wow. 
It's like a battle of like morals. Exactly, and that's the thing I'm like really excited about. It's like a perfect stomping ground for that kind of stuff. Dude, that sounds awesome. I'll tune in. Yeah, that's whatever, really cool. Whatever streaming app it ends up on, I'll I'll, I'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it ends up on Peacock, because that's the only one I, I was just thinking that. <laughs> I was just thinking Peacock, because I just use that to watch uh, our movie late that we're going to talk about later. Dude, that's awesome, though. <laughs> <laughs> is it like fun fun like do you get do you get writer's block a lot or do you more so find yourself like just flowing uh well i feel like this entire well since since we all like worked on mannequin like i've been like struggling to write anything since then which was like the last time i, I actually completed a script that i shot was back in late 2018 so it's been like over three years now and I don't know it's like something whenever I like uh, spend a lot of time away from something that like a hobby I enjoy like whether it's writing or playing music or something it it makes me feel like a little kid again whenever I return back to it because it's like like I'm approaching a, a bicycle for the first time and it's so terrifying to me because it's like oh well how do I how do I ride that like I know I've I've um I've been on a bicycle before in the past, but I, what if I, what if I don't know how to do it this time? And it's such like a silly worry, but it's been something that's been haunting me for the past few years now. I mean, I've written stuff since then and like have completed things, but I haven't like written something and then shot it, which I really want to do with this one or with this series, but it'll probably be some time before can muster up like some sort of uh, funding for that. So I'm hoping that um, by writing more, I can actually feel like a writer. Uh, that way I can get into that flow state more because I, to answer the question, I do suffer from immense writer's block. Like I always build it up in my head, like, um, like it's such like a, a bigger ordeal than it actually is. And it's like, oh, well, I have to be in the right mindset. Oh, I have to be, you know, I can only write at night. Um, oh, like ABC all the way to Z of excuses until I actually just act on the impulse and sit down and just actually just let it flow, you know? Do you do the thing where you just like with music or anything or like right before bed, you're just daydreaming? Yes. Out and then it's like, okay, I'll, uh, I got a 90% done in my head and it's just <laughs> impossible to sit down and write it. Yes, Pat, that is, that hits way too close to home. <laughs> okay, like, I'm not alone, I'm not alone. Okay. <laughs> like, I love, I personally love writing with music, um, especially when I want to nail, like, a scene out. Um, and, yeah, I, I usually come up with, like, my best ideas when I when I'm about to fall asleep, because then I I'm not like shooting down my ideas like I'm getting into more of like a stream of consciousness or like I guess letting go of it you know, and then like bam an idea hits me where it's where I'm like oh damn that would be really cool to explore in like this next scene or in this other episode like to see how this weighs on them like that sort of thing, but yes the daydreaming thing. Is is a big thing. How, how how do you how do the rest of you like feel about like your ideas coming to you at different times of the day? 
Yeah, I was just thinking of that. I was gonna be like, do you like find yourself like driving or like you're doing like dishes or something and then the idea hits you? I feel like that's when it hits me like or the best that's when the best ideas or creativity hits me. Like if I sit down and try and do it, it's almost like feels like I'm forcing it, but at times I guess you have to do that, you know, like when you really wanna get something done, you have to do that. But I feel like I find the best ideas come when I don't know when you're not expecting it or you're just doing like a mundane task like doing the dishes mowing the lawn or yeah just like laundry whatever listening to music too because I, I pretty much play music like all throughout my day too so yeah I feel like it hits me sporadic like it's harder it's harder to sit down and like really try and like hash it out I guess mm -hmm. right <laughs> Yeah, you just go through the motions until it just comes to you, right? But then that's also, I feel like, the best way to do it, too, because then if you really sit down and just, like, get after it, and then at some point, hopefully, you know, you find a flow, and then at least you're, you're writing and you're getting out, like, ideas and just content, something to build off of. Mm -hmm. Some people do that for their though. jobs every week. Throwing a little lo-fi... A little lo-fi playlist, you know, some coffee shop vibes. <laughs> like an anime, um, like an anime video on loop. Yeah. All reliable. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what have you guys been watching lately? I've been pretty bad about watching stuff, but I did get a couple episodes in on the new JoJo's Bizarre Adventure season, which is my favorite one that I read. The manga of way back when. And, uh, yeah, I'm really happy. I read, I think I read the manga, like, way back in college. I illegally downloaded it. <laughs> big, big surprise! <laughs> well, it's like a colored version, like someone colored it, like a fan painting. Illegally downloading? <laughs> what? Is that back on the LimeWire yeah. days? Patrick yeah. <laughs> no, supports no. art in his own way. This is like a. This one you, you could still get stuff off of Reddit before they cleaned it up. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, uh, it's like such a unique, written in the '90s, uh young female protagonist is sent to Florida Alcatraz X-Men powers it's just a great time a lot of bright colors <laughs> and it's it's magical to see it animated now I was like oh I remember reading this now all the crazy stuff's happening and it's just as funny it's just as Wait, stupid Pat isn't Jojo's Bizarre Adventure like isn't that pretty commercial doesn't don't a lot of people watch it now you see the thing is I got it on it before anyone else <laughs> that's and, how that's how you, and that's how you be contrarian to contrarian yeah. <laughs> which is what I live for everyone was out here like Stardust Crusaders, Jortoro I'm over here like Jolene and Stone Ocean or Green Dolphin Street Prison get at me so are you, are you like more hipster than hipsters I I'm off the Richter scale of hipster. There's <laughs> yeah, not even a word for it. <laughs> My blood type is different. <laughs> <laughs>
but yeah, and then I'm I'm getting ready for a film month again. Oh, Pat, um, I feel like you, I this okay. So recently, I've actually watched a lot of stuff. We were talking about the rain earlier. I think the rain has helped me watch a lot of new shows and movies. But I just watched. Um, Speaking of popular shit, so Star Wars on Disney Plus has the shit called Star Wars Visions, where it's like all like uh, like Japanese anime or like um, like it's all like anime style. And there's one, there's like they're all different episodes. There's like nine episodes, and they're all really good. But there's one specifically that I think you'd really like the first episode because it definitely gives off like. Um, Oh god, why can't I think of it? Uh what did we do for the pod? Um why is the name slipping by me? Uh the anime that you that you chose. God Oh, I'm Ghost in the Show? Ghost in the Show. Jesus Christ. Thank you. Yes. Ghost in the Show. Like it has it gives it gave off real like dope Ghost in the Show vibes. The first episode is the best. It's the first episode of the season. I'm gonna find you a copy and I'm gonna send it to you. Like <laughs> it's like 13 minutes. I, I've seen some clips of that out there. Ooh, I'm putting it on my watch list right now. They're all pretty cool. It's like way different. It's not like your typical Star Wars stuff. It's like super like uh, Animatrix with Star Wars. Yeah, and it's not like happy endings. It's not like they go like way off, way off the typical like Anakin Skywalker, uh, like I guess like storyline. Like they go like off the wall it's pretty cool yeah it's i can see it being good i'll have to check it out but that one i'm yeah the one i guess that that one i'm talking about too had like real similar uh music to it with like i can't like that main score from ghost in the show it's like that high pitched like <gasps> yeah yeah they had like that throughout the whole i was like okay they're kind of like biting off a ghost in the show but this is sick like <laughs> i'm i'm gonna check it out yeah, Star Wars Visions. Check it out, for sure. And then also, Book of Boba Fett came out. I, I probably am gonna watch that first episode after this pod tonight. I'm excited for that. Spider-Man. You're giving me so many reminders right now, Tyler. <laughs> Dude, yeah, the Book of Boba <laughs> Fett came out. Uh, came out today, actually. Yeah, today's the first episode. Ooh. And that's gonna be dope, I hope, because like, I hope it's like Goodfellas, but Star Wars. Just give me like mob mafia shit, Boba Fett, just being like Tony Soprano. Because oh. <laughs> he takes over like Jabba's palace or whatever, and that's like I'm pretty sure Jabba's like the main crime crime lord in the galaxy. So there's got to be some like heavy shit. I need to see some real gangster shit. Please. <laughs> I'm just picturing like Star Wars Sal. <laughs> <Yeah>. Silvio. <laughs> Silvio. <Yeah. laughs> gotta be a Polly. <laughs> like a Jar Jar Binks, but Polly. <laughs> you gotta have the Christopher of the, of the crew. Mm -hmm. Is it Polly? Like, uh, Polly sees a Force ghost and he starts threatening someone. <laughs> 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 Oh, oh! <laughs> um, okay, wait, so... Everybody, wait, did everyone here see Spider-Man? No, Pat didn't see it, I forgot. 
Nah. Yeah. You could, you could spoil yeah. it for me. Contrarian and contrarian. I mean, we're not gonna really spoil <laughs> it. We're not spoil it. I feel like everybody knew that it was gonna be like, okay, spoiler alert. Like all of the three Spider-Mans put together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so hard to, so hard not to see if you like, I don't know, have like social media. But I really did. I really dug it. I thought it was like. I think it may be the coolest superhero, one of the like top three superhero movie for me. At least probably best Marvel movie I've seen because I like all those like Batman movies and stuff. Yeah, I gotta say it was pretty refreshing like watching that. Um, I went into it pretty cold for the most part. I like you tell her. I, I felt like I had. I was like, okay, it's gonna be live action into the Spider Verse. Which yeah. I, I really I really liked Into the Spider-Verse as well. Um, but with this one, I was getting so hyped off of like all the things I was seeing. Like it was just scratching that <laughs> that itch I've had since like being a kid of like the last time I saw Spider-Man in theaters. Um, and seeing all that back, just the pure nostalgia factor of it for me was... Yeah, that it was felt a good part. Yeah, it just felt so tight to be able to see all this stuff on screen again. And I, I feel like <laughs> that movie was made for like people our age who like grew up like we first saw Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. And then I guess that one really is like the one I like was special as a kid. And then I obviously I just saw all the other ones, too. But it was cool to see all like the cameos and, and shit like that. Yeah, definitely. It definitely exceeded my expectations. Like, it was awesome. Uh, but I also feel like a bit conflicted about the reasons why it was awesome, too, though. It's like, okay, are they just like pandering to these, to the nostalgia that like is aimed so easily at us as a, as a society? But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I don't really care. I'm like having fun at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, with these kind of uh, integrating these properties together and so many characters, the story does get a bit convoluted. But, you know, like you said, the nostalgia factor and the fan service that the movie provided was really cool and fun. That something that I didn't like think could ever happen, you know, like being a kid and seeing the old animated uh 90s version of spider-man i'm like oh man this is so cool um yeah just seeing it all come together was really great just seeing all these villains and how uh these actors coming back after 20 years you know they weren't just a glorified cameo they were actually having like significant roles in the film which was great you know willem dafoe oof he's so good god like like, i'm glad he didn't phone it in you know He's so like, he just hams it up, and you, you just love that, you know. I feel like William Defoe is just like for his age group, he's just like killing it over everybody. Like he's mm-hmm. just like every movie he's in, he's just he just takes over. He's gonna go down like he he already is, but he's gonna go down as like one of the greatest actors of all time. He's kind of like a like a I feel like a Daniel Day Lewis type. Like where he just like, even sometimes when he's not even the main, like character in a story, like he just he just his character ends up taking over because his acting is so, his acting is just so good. His characters, 
Mm. Yeah, he he was so good in the movie. I decided to like watch some clips of like the uh, the first two Spider Mans. Just like all the best lines was just basically every scene that he's in. <laughs> 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 so yeah, yeah, I thought the movie was pretty good. I still have Spider Man Two and Into the Spider Verse as like top tier Spider Man movies. But you know, it's up there. I like Tom Holland. He's cool. I like Zendaya. She's really cool. I like their off-screen chemistry too. Like, I don't know if you guys ever watched their interviews, but like, they're so like adorable together. Um. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, good movie. Tobey Maguire is still the best Spider-Man, by the way. I gotta <laughs> say, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield. Thank really you. Is the fucking best. He was. Like, he was my favorite one in the entire movie. He was my favorite before this movie, and then after this movie, he like cemented it. I was like, he's just the coolest oh. fucking Spider-Man. Well, like he's, he, he's the underdog of all the other Spider-Man. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I relate to him the most too, though. <laughs> but he's just like he's like I feel like he's like the most nonchalant of all the Spider-Mans. <laughs> like Tom Holland is like I feel like Tom Holland's like a little kid Spider-Man. Yeah, it's yeah. super weird, right? Like the whole it like is. the whole like <laughs> catalyst of how like the problem arose in that movie. I was like, okay, this is fucking stupid, but, <laughs> but like I get it. I get where they're going. He's supposed to be like sixteen or no, he's supposed to be seventeen, eighteen, yeah. and he's acting like he's ten. Sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, Andrew Garfield had like such good comedic relief and. There's like that one fan service scene where he like, I don't know if you know, like the scene, I guess it's not, okay, yes. When he like catches Zendaya and shit, I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is good right here. I like that. Mm -hmm. That was the moment that like solidified it for me. Yeah, that should hit me. I was like, yes, like this is awesome. Yeah, After the acting was, yeah, great. Like, you know, no matter how big or small the rules were in the film like people were brought their a game i felt like yeah there was so much love put into it i was gonna say i feel like i've seen like zendaya in like every single like move since like every single movie i've gone to in theaters i feel like i see zendaya <laughs> in <laughs> she was in dune too right mm -hmm. yeah yeah the last i saw spider-man and then i saw dune before that in theaters <sighs> I am uh, currently still reading Dune. I'm about three quarters of the way into it now. And man, oh man, am I hyped for the the sequel as well as a Dune Messiah, if it comes out, if it ever makes it. I heard that um, like the first movie, the movie Dune, is like not even like the first it's like the first it's like the first third of the book or something like i feel like it's not i heard it's like not even the first half of the book yeah it's it's really crazy seeing how it builds up to that point because even then there's so much that's left out of the book and i found myself being like oh damn like that would have been so cool to see um spoilers for dune <laughs> uh but like the death of uh of duke leto it, there's so much more screen time that you can get with him from in, that, in the, uh, in the that's book. Oscar Isaac's character? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. 
there's so many good moments with with him and then also lady jessica too there's yeah, just I feel so... like that scene would be like a crazy like part in the book like him getting assassinated or killed or whatever mm-hmm a shout out to all Jessicas, because every Jessica that I've ever known has been really cool, nice, and beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, aside from um, reading Dune, I uh, recently watched the latest season of The Witcher. I think it was way better than the first. The first was a bit rough at times. The second one, I'm just hyped to see where it goes. And hey. it's, it's it's cool to see everyone. Like, I, I got the same vibe from the first season, which is that you could tell everyone, like, it's just a product of love. Like, it, it's just, you could tell that there's just so much heart in it. And I felt that same way again with the second season. Like, everyone in it really gives a shit about the story. Um, yeah, especially uh, Henry Cavill, because... He's a super huge like RPG nerd. Yeah, it's like it, that sort of thing makes me curious about pretty much like anything that that same principle can be applied to of like finding the right fit for the right role, whether it's in like a like cinema or like anything really. Um, just finding the right puzzle piece to it all and seeing how the bigger picture of it all looks, you know. Cause it's like, imagine like the perfect person to play Luke Skywalker. Like, is it Mark Hamill or is it like someone else? You know, like what would the differences like that be? So it's cool to see like the, one of the best candidates like actually portray Geralt in such like a unique way. Like I, it makes me appreciate the show so much. And just because of like the whole immersiveness of, of it all. And aside from that, I watched a movie called uh, Pig. Oh, I've been to watch that. Nicolas Cage. Nice. Pat, don't you hate Nick Cage? Uh, I don't hate Nick Cage. I think it was Mandy you should have sent me the trailer <laughs> of. And I was like, I am on. And then I see Nick Cage's face. I was like, ah. Why? <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with Nick Cage? For the Nick Cage movie about Nick Cage, though. Yeah, I saw that <laughs> one. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> that's yeah. That's the thing. I like I I like Nick Nick Cage. I love him in uh. Wild at Gone. Heart. Gone in sixty and seconds. Gone in sixty seconds. <laughs> face off. Face off is classic. Uh. National so Treasure. National Treasure. <laughs> Ghost Rider. Uh, yeah, Ghost Rider 1 and 2. Uh, what was there? <laughs> Lord, Lord of War. Seen Lord of War? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one's pretty good. I like that one, too. He's great in certain roles, but, but when I'm seeing like a film like Mandy, or just there's a certain energy it's getting off. I want like an undiscovered or like a new character I can get invested in, a new person, a new actor. It's like, oh, I'm going to watch his career with interest. And then Nick Cage past a certain age became like a meme actor. And it's just like, oh, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't get into it. It's too. I think he had like, didn't he have like really bad debt or something? And I feel like he just started doing like a bunch of like easy like jobs, like easy B yeah. movies. Bangkok like... Dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw that one in theaters. Yeah, the Travolta issue. I'd put, I'd put Ghost Rider in that tier. 
are <laughs> <laughs> you talking about? It's an underrated, you know, superhero film. Like, I need to see, is it, what's the, uh, what's the one where he's in Las Vegas and he's like a raging alcoholic? Is it leaving, leaving Las Vegas? Leaving Las Vegas, yes. Yep. I need to see that one. Like, in those roles, I love them, but like, current age Nick Cage in movies, it has to be a certain type. Like, that has to be the movie that's the one about him being himself or something. I feel like I that's going to be great. Yeah, like, that's perfect Nick Cage movie. Like, Mandy, I'm like, oh, I don't want it's just a weird hang-up I have. I feel like uh, with COVID and everything, I feel like the movies are finally making a comeback. Like, I'm so hyped for so many movies coming out right now. Have you guys heard? Here. Have you guys seen the preview for uh, The Northman? Ooh! Yeah, I have. Dude, looks that good. looks so fucking good. Oh, my God. I'm so hyped Bjork's making a comeback? Mmm. Bjork, uh, who, uh, I think... Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah, Anya Taylor Joy, William Defoe's in it. Uh, who who's directing it? I forget. Um, Robert Eggers. Yeah, Robert Eggers. Yeah, and then the lead actor from that movie that Pat picked, Clive uh, Bang. I think that's how you say his name. He was in that movie um, that we did. Uh, it's, um, the Square. The Square. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he oh, plays yeah, the. He is in that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he plays the person that. Uh, Think Stellan Skarsgård wants to murder, so that'd be cool. Yeah, I yeah, just and, see the uh, thumbnail, the ripped guy. <laughs> I'm curious about Macbeth with Denzel Washington too. Oh yeah, the yeah, the black and white one. Out. Yeah, yeah, I think it's coming out soon out here, like in early I January. It, I th I think it's. I thought it was December, but I could be wrong. I think it had a limited release in December, but it's gonna have like a wider release. But yeah, I never um, really in um, January. I've like explored Macbeth. Like I read it in like high school or whatever. Did you guys have to do that? Like senior year? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I remember it was hard yeah, to I understand. Like super. I I would love the story. Like it's a it's a pretty crazy story. So I'm hyped. I hope Denzel just takes over and we get some good monologues, some good Shakespearean yeah. monologues from Denzel. It's, it's a Coen brother film. I'll, I'll pay money to see that. I think, yeah, the, and, yeah, I think Coen Joel brother. Cohen is doing it by himself now for this one, which is interesting. I also want to see Licorice Pizza. Ooh, yeah, that's the in theaters right now. We have yet to do a PTA film. We haven't, huh? That's a tragedy. I've been, I've, every time it's my choice, there will be blood crosses my mind every time. Ooh. Milkshake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the password. <laughs> um, I've been watching a few things. Um, the past few weeks, I haven't been really been watching too much, but, um, I am on episode 14 of Evangelion. I started watching some of that. Ooh. Uh, um, yeah, it was the, uh, no spoilers. I'm not going to talk spoilers, but it is the episode where they did a recap, like 
most of the episode is like a recap, which is like really interesting. It was just like you're watching it, and then you to, all of a sudden you get to an episode where like they're just recapping everything, and you're like, wait, I've seen most of this already. But then they'll give you like new information, and yeah, they were like recapping the you know the angels that had um, visited them, and that was really cool. I like some of the shots that like show them in like a, a like a wide shot, and you're like, oh wow, that's such a unique uh, angle from that perspective to see that, and. Um, yeah, I was like really conflicted about it at first because I'm just like really put off by just <laughs> the one episode where it's just 80, 70, 80% is like recap. <laughs> but that was cool. I thought that was really cool. Um, I think you guys, I think Kevin and Pat, you guys know what I'm talking about. Mm. But um, yeah, I watched that. I'm still watching. So um, yeah. And then speaking of Angels, I revisited the OA again. So I watched the first two seasons again. And then um, speaking of Zendaya, Zendaya's in season two, which is cool. Um, yeah, she had a very low-key role in it. She's always good, I feel, every time I see her. And um, yeah, I actually got a friend to watch the OA with me. And their reaction to season one ending, they were uh, conflicted. And they did not like season one <laughs> and I was like okay you can give up after season one if you want and then they're like you know what I'll watch season two and then their reaction to watching season two was drastically different from season one they loved season two and they're like they felt like season two was a different show entirely so that was like a really great reaction to see and um just like yeah <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever felt that way, you know, when you're watching the first season of a show and you're like, I don't get it. I don't understand, you know, why people like this. I don't know. I'll give season two a try and you're just like totally, you know, to you're totally bought in. Twin Peaks, dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Twin Peaks for sure. I, I'll, I will say, though, I like the first season of Twin Peaks and then like the first half of season two was hit or miss. And then the last, the latter, like, maybe four or five episodes of season two were, were good and I was really hooked but um but yeah I agree Twin Peaks is like that <laughs> I'm stoked like if you decide to keep going with Ava I believe episode 15 is the one that got me hooked because there's a certain there's a certain incidents but or incident between Masato and another character like a new a new character by that point I want to say and it's it's like where the vulnerability really starts to show where it's like oh she's this is like deeply personal stuff like yeah, you, right. how often do you see like these sort of like inner conflicts appear on screen or like hear them on screen like that's where I'm like hmm something feels very off about this show like it is it really about angels anymore? <laughs> Which is right on the precipice where it kind of stops being monster of the week and it gets high concept. And then yeah, it's I like really buckle up from there. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm ready. Um, yeah, I did. I did notice that it starts to get a. It starts to veer away from like those conventions, which is cool. Uh, I'm really into that. So, yeah, I'll keep you guys updated as I. Uh, 
move forward with the series. Um, so yeah, besides Ava and rewatching the OA, which I really love, you guys, I'm obsessed with that show. Um, I watched a couple movies. I watched uh, Teton, the Julia Ducournau like French film. Um, it's like body horror, uh, thriller, serial killer type of film about you know identity and has a bit of I guess maybe trans politics in it, which is really great. I really like the movie a lot. Um, it's not for everybody. I wouldn't recommend it to everybody because it's kind of a hard watch at times. Um, cause it's pretty, it's pretty brutal, but also like oddly touching in some moments. Like really, like it really gets you emotionally. Um, so yeah, I watched Tiktone. I watched French Dispatch. Um, I liked it. It's much, I think it's much more, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's weird for me to see a Wes Anderson film where he has like explicit nudity. <laughs> I know that you watched it too, Tyler. So like, I don't know if you noticed that, but like, that's so different for me. I haven't seen all of his films, but um, they always have like this fairy tale, almost childlike aspect to it. And seeing this one is a bit different for me. Um, yeah, and then I watched The Matrix Resurrections. I'm very, very mixed on that film, but I think for the most part, I, I liked it. Um, yeah, I'm kind of bummed that like the year is almost over and I feel like, yeah, I would not watched too many movies, but uh, yeah, I can't wait to, for us to uh, talk about our, our featured one. Yeah, I feel that same way about this entire year as a whole when it comes to watching movies and hearing about like uh, hearing from Pat, like how he's going to be doing the the 30, 31 days for January uh, where you watch one movie a day. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> it makes me dude, tempted. Uh, I've, I've never done one of those, but I'm like, God, dude, that's that's a commitment right there. That's like a really like, it's a good, that's a big commitment. I know, right? I mean, you're already married, Tyler. It's kind of <laughs> having another know, task right? put on your hands for like 31 <laughs> days. <laughs> it's enough already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> crazy i got married i'm scared of a 31 day commitment <laughs> <laughs> just forced your loving wife to watch every movie with you <laughs> so you love me right i'm down to do i'm down to do like i'll do like half i'll do like a 15 day and then pat you just pick like the 15 you want me to watch and then i'll pick like two because I'd rather have you put me on than me put you on. <laughs> <laughs> I see the social pressure from me. We, we'll put, we, or we can put each other on. Yeah, you both can get on. Giggity. That's a, Tyler, you're married. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Want to get it wait, on? Wait till, wait till we're done recording, please. <laughs> I can always send suggestions, though. I always got, always got, I got like a bunch of animes I can force on you. Yeah, just send yeah. a bunch of like NC 17 movies. Well, I always have like, like I always City. have like suggestions and like so many things like i've always i wanted to watch um eternal sunshine was a spotless mind forever i've always wanted to watch this movie but like 
you know you just always have those movies like you have a whole list of movies in your head that like oh yeah i need to see that oh yeah i want to watch that and then like maybe it's i don't i don't know what it is maybe it's like the whole endless pit of choices we have when we do get to watch a movie that it's it's, when you do have that time that you almost spend the whole time you would spend watching a movie just fucking picking the movie it's the dilemma of freedom tyler yeah (laughs) we got it too good this was also one of those for me like eternal sunshine i've i've the posters like burned into my memory oh yeah from exposure to it but i've just never watched it even like my my like this is your first viewing pat for it too Mm -hmm. oh wow i am excited to hear both your thoughts on this or everyone's really but yeah let's just talk about it you guys want to get into our discussion of eternal sunshine So this is my pick for the episode. I feel like it's been a really long time since I last picked a movie. I think the last one I picked was Solaris. And that hey, movie... How so long ago? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like four months ago or something. <laughs> but like that movie, along with this one, are two of the most profound movies I've like ever seen. And they're forever ingrained in me since I first watched them. I I remember seeing the trailer for this movie back in 2003 or 2004 when I was like in fourth or fifth grade. And like the, I think I've talked about it before on this podcast, but like it's the image of um, Joel when he has the memory erasure helmet on himself and he's sitting in the, in the, uh, in the street, like in in the public. And I don't know, something about that image just like struck me when I was really young. And then it's like kind of always stayed with me since then because I was a huge Jim Carrey fan when I was younger. Um, Like I loved Ace Ventura and uh, like Dumb and Dumber is still one of my favorite comedies of all time. And you know, like the mask, like pretty much that entire like lineup was just like- yeah, yes, and then the Truman, like, the Truman Show in this movie, ooh, like, game changers for me when it came, because when it uh, comes to that for me. Yeah, and Jim Carrey had, a, like, a, a like a renaissance for, like, 10 years, from, like, the mid-90s to, like, the mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. I feel, yeah, he was a superstar, for sure. Yeah, so it was really strange seeing someone of that stature, like, when I was that young and so impressionable, of seeing someone of that stature in a role like this where it seemed so disconnected from what I had seen before. Like it helped change my perspective on not just like not on the surface level, but like on a deeper level of being like, oh, like there's so much change all around us, you know, like there's so much um, to the spectrum of everything that I have yet to find out. Um, So did you watch this when you were like in like fifth grade, fourth grade? No, no, um, I remember always wanting to see it, but I just never really knew how to because that was like, I want to say between like 2005 or 2004 to like 2007, 
that was like such a weird period of time to like get access to like movies on TV and stuff. I, I mean, at least to me, um, and like that watching one online to me was just so foreign of a concept. And I want to say that I saw this movie on IFC. Like, uh, I always talk about like that um, channel's uh, impression on me as a young kid, but like. I, I want to say that that's the thing that really drew me into movies because I, I was finally able to catch the movie on that channel once we got it and it just has stayed with me ever since and I don't own that many movies like on physical format but uh, besides from the before trilogy the only other movie I own is Eternal Sunshine <laughs> and just own like two of the greatest romances of all time. I know, it's like, what does that say about me? <laughs> but, <laughs> they're almost like anti... They're like romantic anti-rom-com or rom romantic films in general. I feel like yeah. they're like real romance movies. Though. Like, in their, in their own way, like... And I can definitely see what you're saying, Richie, about like, uh, how they're so... Uh, at, there's such binary oppositions to one another and I found myself thinking about Before Sunrise the entire time that I was watching it during this uh, during this uh, time and I was like wow like Eternal Sunshine is the more brutally awkward and uh, fumbling version of Before Sunrise <laughs> And to me, that feels much more realistic in a way, it which really is, is. <laughs> even though it's like the the very trippy sci-fi experimental version, you know, the non-linear storytelling and like the fractured um, perspective. Yeah, and like I've seen this movie well over fifteen times, and like, and it never gets old to me. It's and I feel that each time I watch it, I'm like always, it's always strange to like see, approach it as like a, almost like a milestone. Cause it's like, you know, we get older, we have like different perspectives every single day on things. So it's like, it's like seeing something in like an entirely different circumstance than you were the, the last time you saw it. And it's all about like memories and like impressions and like how we shape them and everything. So it feels even, it feels all the more special to me when I'm aware of that. Um, but this movie was directed by Michelle Gondry in 2004, and it was also written by Charlie Kaufman, amongst like a few other people. And um, the summary says, uh, Joel Barish, heartbroken that his girlfriend underwent a procedure to erase him from her memory, decides to do the same. However, as he watches his memories of her fade away, he realizes that he still loves her and may be too late to correct his mistake. And um, with that said, uh, what are all of your thoughts on the movie or first impressions of it? I went into it super cold. Like I, I knew it was just basically a romance or a type of romance movie so i was super surprised that like what you're talking about richie like the fragmented narrative and storyline um but i yeah i was just like i was like stressed out watching this movie <laughs> <laughs> 
Did this it hit home I, for you? Oh yeah, I watched it with Abby too, so it was like cool to watch it with Abby. Like halfway oh. through the movie, we're like cuddling hella hard. <laughs> was like, it her oh. first time watching the film? Yeah, yeah, it was both our first oh, time. Oh wow! Did she like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. She loved it. Yes. yes. No, she loved it. I got the seal of approval. Yeah. This is like yeah. This is up there with Before Sunrise for me for sure. Um, definitely. Uh, I don't know. I just like it's so real, and I feel like after the movie, like yeah, it's it's like another one of those movies that just sticks with you and like makes you like. I don't know. Like I felt like I didn't want to like take like take things for granted. Like damn. Like even if you have like bad memories or like within any relationship or whatever, like. I think it's obviously like it just makes you think like your problems aren't like as big as you really think they are or I don't know I guess it, it just made me like think of like oh yeah like you know there's times where you get like annoyed with people or whatever or get bad experiences and it's like there's also like good good things too and it's it's like I, a self-reflective movie um, in a way yeah but yeah, I just, it's I, pretty I rare that. to like experience that and know, it to is, be able to see your memories in front of you. <laughs> yeah. And it is like super real too with like, I think a lot of people are like that, especially like even now it's crazy. Like the way, like I feel like Jim Carrey's character is of how he's like super, like he's awkward and you know, he, like he clearly has like some like social like problems, like, Kind of an introvert and i feel like that's just like everybody today like we're kind of all like that we're all turning into that and it was like i don't know it's just refreshing to see a uh like a budding budding love yeah especially considering he's playing against type where uh kate winslet who does uh, um, she like steals every scene almost yes um, where, yeah, she's the one who is like the aggressor or their pursuer, you know, of their relationship. She's the assertive one. And it like just goes to show how, how many admirable qualities she has as a character. Um, like I, I remember like always hearing about like how, uh, or how she can be considered a manic pixie dream queen, but, and, this kind of like falls in, in line with like uh, the way that I perceived her during, I want to say my first time viewing it, where um, as we're going along for the ride, for the procedure, um, that her character was kind of acting on her with her own uh, agency in a way. But, you know, it, it took like a few more run throughs and of course, like a bit more maturity on my end to realize that oh it's all just a projection like we're inside Joel's mind like every single person during this procedure that he's going through and all the memories is how he remembers it so of course it's like completely distorted and so it took me like a really long time like after multiple viewings to like like hmm I wonder I wonder who Clementine actually is and that's the whole problem with the movie it, it, it all stems from uh, Joel's own perception of her and how they fail to meet her on reality's terms in a way and uh like 
during this previous or doing during this last time that I watched it, it I was really paying attention to uh, the actual scenes that we have with Clementine and not Joel's perception of her. And it made me realize that, no, she's really she's done a lot of introspection on her end and she has weathered a lot of I mean, we don't ever get that many details on her past just like brief glimpses of Joel's memories, but like it just makes me wonder about like her entire side of the story, you know, and because to me she seems like entirely aware of her flaws and wanting to communicate and just being frustrated with Joel's inability to communicate um, in a way that doesn't uh, place a lot of the burden on uh, Clementine's words. I don't know. Patrick, what are your, what were your first impressions of this film? I know you went into it cold as well. Yeah, this is my first time seeing it. Uh, this and the Truman Show, uh, locked in. Carrie is capable to do the Adam Sandler stuff or comedic actor, this, that, and then he can hit it out of the park. Jim Carrey really creates the Joel character for me which I wasn't sold on at the start kind of same with the Clementine but uh, towards the end or towards the middle I was on board with both of them or at least Joel and then towards the end Clementine but yeah I also had that I had an initial reaction of, like the manic pixie dream girl energy from Clementine but then it I thought like oh this is like an early 2000s movie it's gonna have this and this but by the end of the film, uh, it's clear she's not. What's the trope that like she's a the manic pixie dream girl is like an exotic character to give personality to a bland main male character mm. or something? Yeah, she's also or, very offensive. <laughs> there are things in the film that she does. It's like, wow, that's not cool. That's very distasteful, you know. <laughs> that's the thing she's she's flawed that's what it becomes more of at the end they're both extremely flawed or as flawed right. as the average person is it's like oh it's it makes them endearing it makes the relationship endearing and their vulnerabilities even if it is only through Joel's perspective as we're in his dreamscape in his dream Clementine that's what I was I was kind of hoping there'd be some collective subconsciousness things and that's what like I I like to think the Clementine in the dream is like the subconscious of the real Clementine. And that's why she's getting progressively frustrated with a certain character and like lashes out because she knows like maybe they're communicating on that level. Yes. <gasps> but yeah, that's like, yeah, it's like, oh, she's like a quirky 2000s one dimensional character. And at the end, it's like, oh, no, they're both. Yeah, there's more depth there than like the first minute response and I think that fits into the whole purpose of the movie and theme of the movie we grow with them alright it's uh you guys want to give your ratings and then it's just just spoil the hell out of this 2000s movie I'll go first I'm gonna give it a 4.5 out of 5 all the reasons I listed it's a it's a creative uh, interesting concept 
amazing performances, very stylized. My only grievances is uh, maybe it's like the Lynch angle with the dream. What is it? The dream stuff never felt like full dreamy, full dream, full. Like they do scary imagery and all that. But like it never gets that unsettling energy, which is maybe not necessary for the film. But I wanted that. Like there'd be like a a jump scare scene here or there, but it's like, oh, it's not. That's not. That's not. That's, that's not is what scary dreams. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'll back you up on the four point five. I'm not gonna five it, you guys. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting stingier. Dang, the movie sucks then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like I can't. I, f I feel like Before Sunrise is five out of five for me. This is four point five. I don't. I can't really tell you why. Um, but yeah, I just, I yeah, really enjoyed this movie, and it it was just fun to watch. It was like a cool. Like I felt like, um, I was watching like Inception <laughs> in the middle of the movie, but like a romance movie. And I was like, oh, Inception is just, they're just biters. They're just, they just stole a bunch of ideas from this movie. <laughs> yeah, and also Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just like, yeah, the, like, stylized, the, the, the cinematography was great. There was, there was a lot of good music cues, too, I feel like, in this movie. Um... But yeah, just the way the way it made me feel after, I felt good. Like I felt good about just life in general, and that's how I want to feel about it after watching a movie, or just stick with me in any way. This movie has stuck with me for sure, and it'll definitely be one where I like I'm like, oh, you haven't seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Like you need to watch that. So the to the veterans of this film, Kevin. Wait, what? Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give this movie. You know what it is? Five out of five. Um, we all have yet to talk about our top ten or top whatever favorite movies. Whatever. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. Like, it's right up there with um, End of Ava. It's right up there with uh, the Before Trilogy. Everything. Um, this movie never gets old to me. And I like to use it as like a... as a cautionary tale. And also a thing to appreciate or just to appreciate about like as I live my life sort of like an archetype in a way where you can like learn from it and take that what you will while discarding the rest that you don't agree with um I it helped me to like meet reality on its terms by basically like explaining all the things that can go wrong 
when it comes to connecting with another person, even outside of like a romantic uh, setting. And it made me learn about the complications of refusing to be vulnerable with another person with like fully trusting in them. Because it's like without trust, there is nothing between a person and another. And it's just so clear to see throughout the entire movie of where Joel went wrong and what he could have done to improve upon his prior actions. And there's just so much ingrained into the movie as well, just between the fate of the two of like meeting again for the first time. There's something so deeply romantic about that to me about faded lovers in a way and it makes me believe that there is magic out there in the world like i'm i'm a huge lover of that sort of energy out in the world of finding wonder and uh how how things that you know everyone talks about actually do exist and that sort of thing and just on a deeper level as well of the bond that these two people share on an intuitive level. It's just absolutely insane to me. And it always feels so fresh every time I watch it. And it makes me want to be a better person. Um, so yeah, it's been a while since I've seen this film last and I'm really happy that you picked it, Kevin, because um, just like you said, this film felt very fresh and new to me upon seeing it again after like maybe nine years now, which is crazy. Um, I used to own a copy of this film. I used, I've watched this film multiple times. I've showed it to people uh, when I was much younger and I just love seeing people's reactions to a film like this because um, it is kind of hard to follow at first if you don't really know like the synopsis of the film. It is kind of hard to understand what's going on um, the first like maybe 20-30 minutes but after that it really picks up steam and yeah I just love Jim Carrey's performance in this movie. I really think that he didn't get a fair shake when it came out. Like, he got no nomination at the Oscars, but Kate Winslet did. And Kate Winslet definitely deserved that too. But it's just like, you know, the movie wouldn't be the way it is without Jim Carrey as well. And the, and the chemistry between him and Kate Winslet. And, um, yeah, uh, oh shit, did I get my rating? Oh, uh, it's a five out of five. Obviously, it's one of my top favorite films of all time as well. Definitely up there. Um, it's very quirky. I like the music, as what you said earlier, Tyler. Um, it is funny here and there, but there's, you know, it has moments of levity when when it gets really emotional and when it like really tugs on your heartstrings. And um, I find this movie to be extremely relevant to me now more than it ever did. And I really felt like I related to both characters much more now than I did, you know, back in college, which is really crazy thinking back on that. And um, yeah, it's so it's really hard to watch at times, at least for me, 
on a personal level because it's just like, man, it's it's hitting all the right notes for me. And yeah, I'm just really, I'm just glad that I got to watch this. I'm glad you picked this, Kevin, because yeah, this is definitely one of those films that you just have to show any person, you know, if they haven't seen it, they have to watch it. And um, yeah, Elijah Wood is in it too, which is cool. Mark Ruffalo, Tristan Dunst, like Tom Wilkinson, everyone is so good. And the movie is a very quotable, it has so many good lines. Um, like, why do I fall in love with every woman who shows me the least bit of affection? Like, I love that line in the beginning. I related to it back then and I still do now. So yeah, that's my rating. Um, so yeah, let's just get into spoilers and talk about it. Cause yeah, there's just a lot that we can't say up until now. So yeah. Uh, Patrick or Tyler, like what, what are your impressions of like how this movie ended? Do you feel hopeful or pessimistic? I feel for show hopeful. I think they both like subconsciously learned a lesson throughout through the whole experience and like went on like a I guess not spiritual but kind of like journey together and I feel like they both learned a lesson and I just love the way it ends like you don't know if they get back together or you don't know if anything you know they could have got back together and then like realized there's a reason why they erased each other's memories and then they break up two days later but I just think it was cool that they were both like willing to try again and I feel like that's um there's this quote I forget where I heard it from I think it's I think it's in Before Sunrise actually doesn't she say like I've been saying it a bunch to Abby too like I say it like <laughs> just like this like stupid moments where I'll be like there's beauty in the attempt isn't that isn't that from yeah. Before Sunrise yeah. or something like, yeah <laughs> where I feel like that's that's like I feel like that's just like one of the best ways to go about your life and that's kind of how i felt at the end of it and i feel like that's what they were projecting it's like whatever screw it we both just erased, we both just erased each other's memories because we had a bad relationship and we're willing to try it again it's the leap right yeah <laughs> and just yeah the whole journey of just going through all the memories and stuff too especially for me like because you know, like I've lived with my with my wife now, like my significant other for um, like over five years now. And like, it's like the same thing. Like everything's not like freaking peaches and rainbows all the time. Like you definitely have times where you both say like super mean shit to each other and like really hurt each other's feelings. I mean, not that bad. Like we're not like saying like crazy shit, but like, you know, like these things happen, like getting fights and whatever. And um, it was just cool to see. Or it was just cool to like witness all of that and then like kind of take it into my life. And like, like, like I was saying before, like it made me like feel like not wanting to take things for granted or like you know, like little things like you might get annoyed of each other about like the most stupid thing or just like you get home like sometimes I get home from work and like I just like people are talking to me all day and like Abby wants to talk to me about something and like I'll catch maybe catch myself getting annoyed for a second like when she's just trying to talk to me and for the most part in the moment like I'll still listen to her but like I'm like yeah you know you shouldn't get annoyed like you're you know they're just 
try and talk to you and I don't know yeah it was just it's a cool perspective to see and I love the um once I got to the scenes of him like as a baby and like them together as kids I was like oh my god this is awesome <laughs> 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 He's like, I want my mommy <laughs> Jim Carrey's like okay let me really step into the role and he kills it yeah. like when he goes back like I'm not scared of you anymore to like the four-year-old bully yeah yeah that <laughs> was my Army favorite couples. memory yeah I used to I used to uh, live across the street from like this other family when I was younger and uh, <laughs> we used to do like similar stuff like like Jim Carrey and like wh whoever he was projecting Clementine onto like the neighborhood uh, kid and like you know, suffocating or um, uh, smothering each other with the pillow and stuff, <laughs> and then just waving up, being like, "Oh, it's okay." It's like as a kid, she's alive. Yeah, that like totally hit home for me because like we used to play like doctor and like just all this other fun, just stuff like that. It was so it hit so close to home for me. I'm like, "Whoa, this is." <laughs> But it was like super interesting to see how Joel ended up taking on a lot of his baggage as a kid. Like he grew up in like a neglected household and that's why he's like always vying for attention and like pretending to like kill himself even like well into his or like 40s or whatever. It's like it's crazy to see how like that kind of stuff like sticks with people and can can and can uh, create disconnect between that and of a significant other and it's about like being aware of it and I don't know it's it's just interesting I really like the uh, non-linear aspects of the story and this one it got by me 90% <laughs> As I do want to say in the start when he's he's meeting blue-haired Clementine I believe it's when he's driving I can't remember fully though but I think in that scene he has the dots on his temples mm -hmm. and then I noticed that I was like oh that's weird and then later on when they're doing the procedure I noticed the dots I was like oh that's weird but it wasn't until the towards the end when the morning shot the repeating shot of the I think the glass birds in the sill mm-hmm so we're like, oh, the beginning is later narratively, or na later in time, and we're gonna see that, and then go beyond that. But it was it was a very pleasant surprise when we jumped to the real world, and then there was more after that. I was really pleased with that, like the anxiety-inducing aspect of when I think she finds her tape returned to her by Kirsten Dunst. And they're playing it in the car. That's like, oh, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> like the most, <laughs> like one of those letters you write out therapeutically, like why you hate someone, and then they're reading it, and it happens twice. <laughs> and it's just Jim Carrey's was way worse. It was so bad. No, I, I think his was better because his, I think towards the end of his, he kind of comes around because he's like he feels jilted and he's hard. He's going hard in the paint on her. But then towards the end, he's like, oh, my God, just I. It feels he's more hurt or her thing. I don't know. Maybe because we don't play. 
but when, when they're in the car and they're playing hers, it's like very like <clears throat> cutting deep on him right away. So much so he just like kicks her out cold blooded, like in cold blood. Yeah, she's like, like he's bored. He's boring. Is that enough? <laughs> <laughs> I can absolutely understand her frustrations with Joel, though. Oh yeah. Like, cause oh, yeah. clearly, clearly he has like a lot of depth. Like he writes in a journal. But like he just refuses to share any sort of personal detail about himself to her. Like he doesn't trust her. Like and it comes up so many times throughout the memories as like we go from the final moments that he saw Clementine up to the very beginning of it all. And it's like a common motif time and time again where for instance, one of the times they're uh, walking through like a marketplace and Clementine brings up wanting to have kids with him. And he's like, oh, well, I don't think that you'd be like, are you are you ready for that? And it's just absolutely condescending when it's like you can tell he's saying that about himself. Like he isn't saying that about Clementine. He's just using her as a vessel to voice those own frustrations within himself from like all the troubles that he harbors within himself and like he isn't able to commit and it's just so telling of like why it is that she's frustrated like because she's been putting in like so much work into the relationship probably and to not be trusted by Joel is like I could see why it does cut deep like he's he automatically assumes that she's like out just uh, cheating on him <laughs> and like he does her he does her like another one too where he's like oh yeah I just assume that that's what you did because that's how you get people to like you <laughs> like that's you can tell why she broke up with him yeah, that or one, why they broke up that one hits hard I mean I don't, you can't just casually say that and expect the person to like not walk out on you you know mm -hmm. that's like yeah that's basically saying you don't have any value other than like you know, the pleasure you give other people, that's so messed up. <laughs> and that plays into the very beginning of like what she said to him when they first met, where she's like, I'm just a fucked up girl trying to something, something. Trying uh, to find her peace of mind. Yeah, trying to find, yeah, trying to find her peace of mind. And it's like, she's well aware of her shortcomings. And she's like, just wanting to find some sort of contentment in the world, like carve out like a little slice of of a uh, of like sanctuary for like herself and like another whereas like Joel is so afraid of that he's absolutely terrified of it and like I feel like I could absolutely identify with Joel like I feel like that's something that I've been able to that initially drew me into the movie as like a young as a young person when I first saw it and I don't know it's like yeah I'd be frustrated as hell too if I were her Yeah, I definitely sided with Clementine. I feel like with her frustrations more so. Um, but I wanted to talk about the one thing I think that like didn't rub me the wrong way or anything that I just thought was like blew me away was like the ethics and morals of the company. Uh, what was it? Loop. <laughs> Lacuna. Lacuna. Yeah, the the memory erasers. Like what? <laughs> 
You're just gonna get wasted while you're erasing your guy's memory and like... They drank all his whiskey. Uh, drank all his... Yeah, and then drink all his freaking whiskey? And then, <laughs> and then the evil Patrick. <laughs> evil Patrick. <laughs> evil Patrick, like... I thought of you, crazy. Pat. I was thinking... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of you, Pat. Actually, I didn't even think of you once. I, I was made. I was so genuinely uncomfortable when he's like, "Oh, I'm dating the one girl." It's like, what? Hold on. I stole like, her could panties. You, could you imagine? I get some people are like that. Like they're really just. They're like, yeah. I'm gonna. That did, that did cue me in on the twist with Kirsten Dunst's character when she kissed the uh, doctor. I was kind oh, of, Howard. Yeah, I was like, oh, there's like a parallel between Joel and Clementine where like there's like an innate connection between the two or at least she's feeling that. And then when the wife pulls up, I was like, oh, yeah, they totally cheated and she been wiped and then she reveals that. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst's character kind of like annoyed me throughout the whole movie, especially during like that scene when she comes over to help and and then the doctor comes over and she's just like overly like complimenting him and shit. I'm like, is she just like really like that much of like, <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Yeah. I didn't catch on to that at all though. Like I, I honestly uh, didn't even, yeah. even, even with the twist of the whole key erasing her memory before. I didn't think about it at first, but she's like really young as well, you know? She's just as young as uh, Patrick. They're both like yeah, kind of like 22, 23 yeah. now. And the doctor is like probably 50. Right. So they're, you know, they're both like pretty immature on that emotional level, you know? Patrick is looking for. Um, love, like he's really, he's compensating by like trying to steal somebody else's identity, you know? And, uh, Kirsten Dunst's character, she's, um, she's trying to be impressionable, you know? She's trying to like, feel like she's on equal ground with Howard because she like admires him so much. One of the great movies where everyone has something wrong with them. I love the wife's quote where she's like, oh, I forget his name, Howard, right? Uh, she's like, Howard, yeah. you're not a monster. Or does she call him a monster? I forget. She's like, you're a monster. Like, not any not oh, don't, like, don't be a monster. Like, tell the poor girl. Yeah, don't yeah. be a monster. Tell the poor girl. And I was like, wait, what? She's yeah, she's trying to absolve him, and then she's like, "Come on!" <laughs> but even then, with the whole like end of, I think yeah, I think Kirsten Dunst's character is the one I dislike the most. Even at the end, when she sends the tapes to all of the like past customers, I'm like, even that is like stupid. I'm like, I guess completely. <laughs> You're what? Like Howard's the monster, and then mm -hmm. Patrick, and then. <laughs> I think Kirsten. Oh yeah, Dunst. she's 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 definitely like not at fault. I guess you know she's just she's just like a young kid. But yeah, it's like send out all of these tapes to all these people who like paid to erase their memory. It's like not everybody was uh, <laughs> regretting their decision. I think it's. Oh. 
What about Mark Ruffalo's character? Where does he land on the totem pole? Of, That's what him, him and Kirsten Dunst's character are kind of like a parallel to Joel and Clementine, minus the whole mindscape dream adventure, where it's like Mark Ruffalo's reserved with his feelings. He's kind of docile as his love interest of his is clearly infatuated with her boss who's exploiting her or has exploited her in the past. And then we don't know clearly even if he knew it or not. But at the end, they I think he takes the risks and tries to be vulnerable and she trusts him in the moment. And it's like, oh, it's like a, that was like the B love There's plot. beauty in the attempt. Yeah. Or it's just like, yeah, like, here's two people reconciling their relationship that we don't spend a lot of time with and there's no subconscious adventure but we there's like a parallel to that to Joel and Clementine becoming more vulnerable with each other like Kirsten Dunst clearly has like trust like did you know or she doesn't even, it's hard to say if she fully believes it but she's willing to believe it that's just my thoughts so he's a good guy he yells at Patrick when he's like, what are you doing? Yeah, I liked Mark Ruffalo's character. He kept saying, he's like, that's unethical. Like, what? <laughs> he's like a slacker, but he's in it for the money. Where Harold's like the pure, like he's wiping people he had inappropriate relationships with just to keep a secretary or a front desk person instead of dealing with the consequences. <laughs> and that's why I think it's important that she like alerts all the customers because like like the science is ungrounded or it's, there's something clearly morally abject to it and just because they can do it or they may like it doesn't mean we should we'll funny, funny to me the uh <laughs> i don't know if you any of you guys have ever like been to a cannabis club like five years ago <laughs> but like that office that doctor's office reminded me of like cannabis clubs when like you could just get a, a medical marijuana card you walk into some dingy ass office like they all have lab coats on but like then you talk to the doctor about like your medical issues so you can buy weed <laughs> you're, like, you're like oh yeah so your wrist hurts so you have chronic wrist pain okay can't sleep at night okay yeah here <laughs> you can be prescribed <laughs> Four ounces of marijuana, like a month or whatever. <laughs> it's like super, like no one's, no one's like watching this. Nobody's. I don't know. Yeah, I got like the same vibes. I one of my it's favorite a, moments. Very like underground. <laughs> I loved when uh, Mary was on the phone with one of the customers when Joel arrives to do the the mapping, the mapping of the memories. Um, she's like talking to someone and being like, uh, sorry, no, you cannot have it times something like that. And, and it makes me, I don't know. It's like such a nice little touch of world building. It's like, oh, dang, like there are some people out there. Like, what if they came across reminders that they forgot or different objects, you know? And it was just so funny to like hear that, but at the same time, really saddening. Cause it's like, oh, well you can wipe away the initial stimulus or no, no, you can wipe away the, uh, the reflections on the memory, but you can't get rid of the original stimulus, which is what made me 
start rethinking about Patrick's whole role in the movie, where uh, his whole dynamic with Clementine and how each time that he looked like he carries around a backpack full of the mementos that Joel and Clementine <laughs> shared whenever he's like running dry on an idea. <laughs> and, and, codes. Yeah, he has cheat codes, exactly. <laughs> but like, there's something about it that whenever he offers up one of those new mementos, it becomes so uncanny and surreal to Clementine in a way. Like, she does such a great job of like, showcasing that wash of emotions where it's like, huh, that's a bit odd. And then she's she is like, oh yeah, wow, like nobody's ever given me that I've actually enjoyed. And it's like, oh man, like it's so strange how that those kinds of experiences can be written into our body's code in a way. And especially like when it comes to like different types of like therapies and stuff, like there's ways to mitigate your physical reaction to past events that you've undergone. And I don't know, I, I remember when I was taking a biopsychology course, or no, um, a f yeah, something like that. And I had to listen to this philosophy podcast discussing memory erasure procedures and how there was like a study done on uh, rats where they would wipe away or no, they would subject them to traumatic experiences and then go and map out their their memories or like uh, reactions to it and then wipe away those parts of the brain, like essentially doing like what Howard explains as brain damage uh, to get rid of that. But it's, it's on par with the heavy net of drinking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite quotes. I'm like, I don't know. And it's just so strange to think about how that thing could become a reality. But I'm personally of the mind that I don't think that that sort of stuff could ever work because it's on such a deeper intuitive level where it's like written into our unconscious in a way, because I still have people that I've like seen or have interacted with over over the years. And they just appear to me as like not even like physical forms, but just like their impressions. And it's like, how do you get rid of the impression? You know, like you can get rid of the details, but not the impression. Yeah, it's like how I was thinking that too. I'm like, how would you ever be able to like, you can't think of every single memory you have of somebody like I couldn't, I couldn't even erase, like erase. Like, I feel like people that aren't even like super close to me. It's like, there's you know, there's so many different moments and situations that I feel like, you know, when you're alive and you see like, you can see like the most random thing like on my desk right now, like a Duracell, Duracell battery. And you might think of like a moment when you're like, I don't know, with your homie or with one of your friends, like changing batteries in a remote or like, I don't know, like to where I think it's, it's almost impossible. And it, that's why I kind of like it too. I'm like, there's no way you could erase the memory of somebody, especially like, somebody like you you know had love for and fell in love with like just impossible i think it's completely possible you think so i think it's like one of those evil sciences like uh i read i listened to the book chaos the charles manson book like that dives down into the i can see it being a reality where it's like the uh 
the lobotomization of the human, of the soul. I can see it being like mechanically perfected. Well, that kind of makes me think too when we were talking about this, makes me think of like deja vu and stuff. Like sometimes deja vu, I think when I feel like I get deja vu, it's just like, oh, like I literally just did this same thing before and now I'm having deja vu. And then other times I'm like, I have no explanation for this. This is really weird. It's like maybe, um, my, mem maybe my memory got wiped. <laughs> You know, there, there is a TV show that uh, Mr. Robot creator uh, Sam Eshmo that he did uh, that is about basically memory wiping. It's Julia Robertson's show. It's called Homecoming. And it's about uh, sending these uh, military veterans to therapy. But they don't know that like what facility that they're at or like there's some remote location. And they have no idea like why they're there, and it's basically that premise of, um, well, minor spoilers, but like basically a premise for, uh, you know, how to help veterans deal with their uh, PTSD, and if they can really um, wipe those memories memories from them so that they can send them back out into the field. Yeah. Yeah. It's an evil science. So yeah, it's it's the. It's treating the symptoms versus the brute cause stuff, which is why I believe it's so possible. Like, we got to resolve PTSD in veterans. We can't cease like the conditions and conflicts of the world. We got to keep killing and profitizing, but we gotta. So we gotta. But we gotta do something. So let's bottomize them or again wipe their slate clean so they can go out and do it again. Right. Yeah. See, that's what it's a great I was thinking, thinking too. Is like if this was real or like even with joel and clementine's case like does this does it just turn into like a twilight zone type um groundhog day type thing where it's just like the same thing happens over and over again you just do whatever terrible things erase your memory and then it just happens over and over and over again like just an endless cycle. Yeah. Oof. It kind of reminds her of the ending where they're like running off in the snow and you see it uh, repeating or like on a loop a few times before it fades to white. Yeah, like that was one of my theories. I'm like, okay, I even like, like I like that as an ending of even it's that's not a happy ending, but it's also not a sad ending either. It's it's um whatever then they're both bittersweet they're both willing to try till the end of time their love is so true but yeah unlimited wipes they still find themselves together right they still want to meet up you know which, in montauk which, which, which would that be would that be considered a soulmate even though it's like a toxic relationship or you know maybe not an ideal relationship yeah, I think it's a soulmate, but I think that's where the procedure again, like, disrupts nature. Like the Kirsten Dunst is talking to the woman who's getting multiple wipes. I t I read that as like she's like you can't have three in one month or. <laughs> yeah, I read that as like it's just someone who keeps finding themselves in relationships, and then they fall out and they immediately remove that bad experience versus growth, which is like Joel's central thing. Wait, okay, I have to ask you guys, though. 
have we have we all experienced being ghosted or being blocked by anybody? I've okay, been, who? I've, I've been ghosted for sure. Never been blocked. Because you know, in this modern like times, you know, like in relationships, when people when it gets bad or when people break up, um, you know, like. <laughs> It's like the modern day thing to do is to block somebody, you know, or to ghost them, or just basically cut off contact, you know, pretend that they've never existed. And I think that this film is a really great um, contrast to that because we do have more power in how we handle these sort of things now. And like what you want to see and what you want to experience. Um, so that is like memory wiping in a way, you know? You share a portion of your life with someone and you share it on social media and then when it's over, you just delete everything and pretend it never happened. But would that, like, see, this is the, the dilemma, the social dilemma. It's like, is it, is it, is it even ghosting? Like, before social media, it wouldn't be ghosting. You would just not talk to that person. Like, you don't call them on your landline every day or send them letters. You just kind of grow apart. Because mm -hmm. it's like, right. how, how are you supposed to go about it nowadays? Like, that's kind of what you have to do, really. It's like, you do have to ghost people. Because that's like the only, it's the easiest way to move on. Or Yeah, it's like abiding by the tool of communication that, or the form of communication that we use. I mean, obviously, like, you should have a conversation with somebody. But yeah, like, if you have a conversation and then, then you're ghosted, I mean, what else? What else can you ask for? You know, it's like this it's is like the weird day and age we live in. Yeah. This like your, oh, shit. oh no, go for it. I was like, you're erasing it from your online persona, which is kind of yeah. blurred with the real the real person that you are. But I don't know. It's a weird. Yeah, it is weird. But then if it's like. It was like before, like if you see somebody in person, like maybe a lot of the times if you get ghosted, like through text messaging and Snapchat, Instagram, whatever. But I'm sure, like, maybe if you saw each other, like I'm talking, like if you saw them in person, like you probably both would, like, maybe acknowledge each other and, like, have like a quick small talk conversation or whatever, you know, like, or then, yeah, there's the situations where, like, you see a person from cross in the grocery store and you're like oh I'm, uh, unless, uh, gonna, I'm unless you're a professional stalker and you somehow like bumped into them you know otherwise like there are a lot more boundaries that people put on nowadays you know because access to communication and to see people is like it's easier than it's ever been yeah so like that's also shaky grounds you know of like meeting up and I don't yeah, know. I it's an yeah. interesting topic of like ghosting and all that. Cause it's like, how else are you supposed to do it? You know, this movie was yeah. when this movie's from when people were still people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think ghosting has always been a thing. It just wasn't called ghosting before. It was just like, I don't know. <laughs> There's another yeah. name for it. I think it's just like the modern term now because of like how t how fast technology evolved and like you know you can have access to anybody now you know like you know if you send somebody a text like 
most of the time they're, are, they've already been on their phone and they can see it, you know? Um, back then you probably have to send a bunch of voicemails, a bunch of letters. Um, yeah. What were you saying earlier, Kevin? You had a point. Oh, I, well, I, well, this one thing that I'm thinking about right now is like, um, I found their entire take on like the, on sort of the aftermath of what it looks like when somebody wipes somebody from their mind, like how the person continues to go about their daily life after that. Um, uh, I recently saw the deleted scene or one of the deleted scenes from this, this movie where um, there's a conversation between Joel and his ex, Naomi, where I think it's um, in the very beginning of the movie, like where it would have been placed, was um, after Joel and Clementine, um, after he drops her off at her place, and then she's like, okay, call me when you get home and wish me a happy Valentine's Day. Uh, I think it's right as he walks in the door, he gives Naomi a call and it is basically ending things with her. And it's kind of like a weird exchange because you get the notion that, I mean, at least I got the notion that they kind of had this conversation before because he calls her super early in the morning um, once he gets home and she's kind of like out of it. And she's like, yeah, yeah, fine. Like, we can end things for sure. And there's a callback in the very beginning of the, beginning of the movie when he's journaling, where he's like, oh, there's like pages out of this missing, like entries that I've made. And so he ends up reverting back to like a state of when him and Naomi were at the very end of their relationship when he first met Clementine, because they were still living together. And um, I want to say that they were engaged to be married, maybe, but they were like still trying to see if like things could work, but also not really together and how I don't know, it, it gives like off a very like it just adds to the flaw of Joel as a character. Like he's basically in his mind cheating in a way on on uh, Naomi with Clementine again because he was already like doing like emotionally or like I don't know seeing where things went with her that day on the beach that they met at the friend's party and yeah it just added a lot of it added like a whole new take on him as a character after I saw it because it's, it's such like a, a throwaway line but Clem's like oh what took you so long when he called her and he's like, oh, I just walked in the door because if you place the context of him calling Naomi, the first thing, you know, he does when he gets home and then calling Clem, like it's it just adds like a whole other dimension. to. It. And I want to say that Clementine was also doing the same exact thing with Joel, but with Patrick. <laughs> Fuck Patrick. <laughs> Damn not you, it. Patrick. You're the good Patrick. But it just shows how messy love is, or can be, between just this, the shit that people go through. Yeah, love, love can drive you to do crazy things, you know? Um, kind of remind me of 
that movie, uh, spring or summer, or spring, summer, fall, winter. Yes. Um, where they talked about how like love can drive a person to like murder. <laughs> so it's like that's how crazy love can get, you know. And it drove Clementine to erase Joel from her memory. And that's like really not just impulsive, but like it's such a drastic major change that you're implementing into your life. You know, it was a routine to you and um, that's like killing a part of yourself. So. I think one part of the movie that really allowed me to empathize with like somebody's journey as they go through that sort of procedure um, like the very first moment that like uh, Joel starts to deeply regret his decision is after their first time on the frozen lake where they um or no yeah I want to say that it was it was the second time because they did it twice and I find that to be so crazy too like we all have like such deep inclinations of what it is that we would want to do or want to see or just interests that like carry with us like throughout those types of relationships it's so crazy to me but yeah he starts to like deeply regret that as it's occurring to him and he wants it to stop and it makes me wonder if clementine actually had that same exact experience because they do end up in montauk again like on that exact same day in winter for who knows what reason that's where the the collective subconscious angle for me comes in because isn't that the night before when he's getting the procedure mm-hmm so it's like the if there's any communication metaphysically between souls or whatever that's where I took that that seed being planted in both of them and like the true love angle of like the desire to return together and go back to the ice for the second time I like that yeah. so the first time is wiped right from the memory mm-hmm they do it yeah repeating action when freaking elijah wood is just reciting his exact quote when he's on the ice with clementine my blood was just boiling (laughs) (laughs) i'm like god i fucking hate elijah wood every movie he's in (laughs) (laughs) god damn you frodo another it's a weird yeah i i'm trying to fully get the commentary on that i don't even know like i feel like i don't even know how to process like that part of the movie it just seems it's like it's extremely like sad and pathetic that that any human would be willing to be willing to do that i'm like i just don't even you have to be a psychopath i feel like (laughs) yeah it's like removing the yeah, the, the interaction, the connection and relationship is just the experience. I feel like it's what the kids would say nowadays. They would call him a simp and down bad. <laughs> I wouldn't even call that a simp. <laughs> Being a simp is like, you know, you're just like, you're just down for your lady. Like, 
genuinely like right that's like being i don't know a whole other person right because the, defi the definition of unauthentic <laughs> But like I guess that, like you're saying before, like love love drives you to do crazy things. Maybe he really was in love with her, watching her right. watch, watch, watching her memories be erased, and he was willing to do to become a whole other person. Yeah, he was willing to exploit other people for his own gain. Yeah, I just I I uh, I loved like the whole. Just the whole dream sequence, like all the memories, especially with him being able to hear, hear like what they're saying in the background. It was very like Truman Show, Truman Show vibes I was getting. He's like, Tangerine, how does he know to call you that? <laughs> I feel like um, Jim Carrey is like today's like Robert Pattinson. It's like, yeah, he's he uh like they're not like robert pattinson isn't like a comedic actor but you know robert pattinson got his money off these like big like hollywood kind of super famous movies that a lot of us will hate on and then they then he has like just these gems like truman show and, and this film right which robert pattinson's got like you know the lighthouse and high life um What's that other one? The Safdie Brothers film? Good time. Good time, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, this guy's more than just uh, Edward from Twilight or Dumb and Dumber. Also, I just love Jim Carrey, like his interviews, like just in person. Like he's, he's just a fun character. Something weirdly hurt my watching of this film. It's a really dumb reason. Have you guys seen Yes Man? Yeah. Didn't why? For some reason, that just like I was constantly reminded of that movie. And <laughs> I know because Jim Carrey's there, and there's like a, a a younger love interest, manic pixie dream girl type thing. But like, yes, man's really bad, and this one's really good. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, I was always in this one a little bit. I was thinking of who's the who's in Yes Man that young Zoe, Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, I was getting more uh, fun with Dick and Jane vibes. <laughs> oh, I like that movie. That's where they started robbing people, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that one in theaters. <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> Dang. I can't believe it. Yeah, I can't believe he used to make those movies. And now he's like the main villain in the Sonic movies. Picture you saw Sonic first. I have not seen the first Sonic. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm interested. I, I feel like I would have been. <laughs> like 16 years ago or something.
One other thing I really enjoyed about like the whole memory erasure sequences is how Joel would kind of have a bit of free will to change different things or I guess react differently to memories that he was recollecting. Especially in hindsight, like it, it reminds me of like um, like a similar idiom of like, where time only moves forward, however understanding comes or um, however um, growing and learning comes from understanding it backwards. And it's such like a, I don't know, I, I get a certain feeling when I think about that sort of thing. Like it makes me ruminate on on past choices I've made and where I am now and it makes me think about whether or not I was acting in like I, I hope to think that I was doing the right thing whenever I make decisions or acting as authentically as I can in that time and place but unfortunately you know we all make mistakes and it's just a, it's just a part of life like, there's so many quotes that Mary talks about in this movie. Like the, for, the first one about, uh, about Nietzsche, where... And then, of course, like, the second one by, uh, by the Pope. And I just love its themes on, um, how... How it's, like, such a wonderful thing to be, or how... The ignorant can be like perceived as um, as kind of like elevated in a way because they don't they don't uh, reflect on the past or anything, and they don't worry about prior mistakes that they've made because it's all just the same to them. Yeah, I just. I think that was my favorite part of this movie was just all of the just the different scenes of memories I feel like it just really puts things in, in puts things into perspective like in your life of you know the good memories you have and the bad memories you have and the mistakes you've made and the like best times you've had but yeah I just keep saying like it's just cool it was really cool to watch and I just love watching a movie like this where you feel like it's like and I feel like I feel like after watching this like I feel like I'm a better person like I feel like I'm gonna like take what I learned from this movie and like you know put it into my life and be a better person because of it are you gonna recite the poem to yourself now how happy is the blameless festival's lot the yeah. world forgetting by the world forgot. <laughs> this movie made me think of the... This is like right towards the end for me. My own little hang-up, but like the end of the Hollywood. The end of like the... Yeah, Hollywood, like film films. Or what's the... I don't know how to frame it. This is like 04, it's like The Matrix, and there's a couple other hits. Like but the around, end of... Like the, like around 07 to 08, it gets like hyper-commercialized until what we have now. There's it's there's still films to be made, obviously, but there's no like... I'm trying to 
There's no... The smaller studios are making the true films and everything else is commercial. Right. Um, I think I think I see what you're talking about because I think a film like this probably wouldn't be getting made as much nowadays. Yeah. It was like a $20 million budget film. Yeah. It made $74 million, but like, would it make... If it... If it wasn't made then, if it was made now, would it still get the same, you know, box office appeal? Because we don't get as much of these type of films anymore. I think it would. I think it would now. Because I feel like now, like, especially with all the, you know, smaller production companies, they're kind of like luring other big name actors into their scripts and you know, getting like an actor like Jim Carrey, who's been like, you know, like almost like typecasted. And then, you know, you get, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, I guess like, like back to the Robert Pattinson thing again, like where he's like, Robert, then you like, you see Twilight and all this shit. And then you see Robert Pattinson in the lighthouse and you're like, whoa, what the fuck? I didn't even know this guy was like capable of this. Right. But I, yeah. I do agree. I feel like a good like romance movie like this i feel like i haven't seen like like this and like before sunrise and i don't know if you guys can name any other amazing romances like this but i feel like yeah there's definitely not been anything it's, like this or before sunrise in a very long oh, time wow, right? or Cause, since cause, since these movies pretty much because i because i think this film exists to be the anti-romance of like the conventional romantic comedies because the way, even the way it's structured, you know, um, like they hit it off right away, you know, the way they meet and stuff, um, as they're on their way to Montauk, um, they already like get together and she invites them over and they have a drink and you know, like there is something going on between them. And I think in the typical rom-com, it takes quite a while, like they'll bump into each other They'll, they'll split apart, but you know, midway through the film, they'll have their chemistry and then they'll break apart again and then they'll get back together at the end, you know. Uh, this film is like very fractured. It's, it messes with your head and it's about like trying to forget somebody. Um, but it's also romantic at the same time, you know, these moments of uh, sweetness where you would show her um the constellation that he knows like the Osidius, i believe you know the swoop and cross line and um just like the story of her telling him about how she wanted to be or um she wants to be pretty you know about the ugly doll that she named clementine um yeah i, I really felt like this film is kind of meta in that sense i mean it's from charlie kaufman she watches work now like he definitely has that sort of awareness of like these genres and filmmaking and yeah i see this film as a kind of like anti that <laughs> but um yeah shall we uh wrap up and have our closing thoughts and uh any, anyone else have anything they want to point out before we head out? All I know is that there is beauty in the final words of the movie 
just after everything is said and done, coming to that realization again of having met for the second time, and then just understanding each other's complexes and accepting someone for who they are, flaws and all, just being like, oh, well, it might help. It might happen again. And just, okay. And then she says, okay. And then they just laugh about it in the hallway. Like, that's that to me is such a beautiful, beautiful moment. I feel like that's, that's why I like when, uh, like I don't think it's I think it's like literally like this that is romance it is not a I don't think it's an anti-romance like that is real romance that's like that's the shit that happens in real life no fairy tales no fucking <laughs> you know walk off into the beach and oh. the sunset like we well, no, I mean, I, I, I meant to no, say, like, not, it is a, a romance, but anti-romance yeah, of, like, the, the conventional, like, yeah, romantic films, you know? For sure. The conventions are definitely, like, completely different. But I think just, like, in the vast, or, like, romance as a whole, like, like I feel like that's romance. Like, at the end, right. I was just, like... Yeah, it was just like the perfect ending. Like that's that's how I love. Like, usually I feel like a lot, of, or not usually, but like you know, I feel like Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Spoiler, like the ending to that movie, like romance, and that was like a sad ending to where like I almost would call that like kind of this, like same type of thing. Like it's like a, like or like what you're saying, like an anti-romance to the conventions. But the way that movie ended and the way this movie ended is just like so real and raw and like that's real life like that's actually like what happens like sure we all have like our fairy tale moments but like everything everything's always a work in progress and i think that was just like a beautiful beautiful ending yeah like it, it takes it takes so much to like go through like because i can only imagine going through that procedure and then coming to the realization that you had it done and then meeting the person who you erased and then yeah. discovering the same thing about them and hearing all the shitty things you said about them and all the shitty things they said about you <laughs> yeah it's like to, that takes to be willing to do it again is like yeah that's real like, there have been times in my life where i've seen this movie and then at the ending i completely I was like, no, this is, there's no way this is going to work. They're just going to fall into their old patterns. Like, it's it's such a a Sisyphean task where you're just pull, pushing a boulder up a hill only for it to fail again. However, like, I've since, like, outgrown that. I mean, I guess that I, I've since, like, had a change in perspective where, to me, it just shows so much depth and maturity to be able to trust in yourself of... Like, cause there's no way that Joel was able to tell himself like, oh no, like if you went through this, you would end up regretting it. Like if he traveled back in time or something like that. It's like, no, he, he takes a leap of faith within himself to understand that, oh, maybe I might've ended up regretting this because this feels so, so good. Like it feels so right to meet this person and to be around them and everything like that. It's like, oh, but even though I don't remember all the things that we had together, it's like, why not? Why not try to make it work? But if we've ended up together again and I don't know, because it it reminds me of the before. uh, I think it's in before sunset when um, 
uh, on the conversation on the Ferris on the or no not on the boat ride, where um, Celine is talking about like how we each have like so many connections in the world, you know, and it's so rare to find those things with with people, and they're trusting in themselves to try and see how things go a second time around, you know. Like there's there's that beautiful little moment in the movie, like. Some of my favorite bits were just the conversations that Joel was having with his interpretation of Clementine, like in hindsight, like after the fact of like her erasing him and him in the process of erasing her and how he wishes that he could just do things differently. Like if only he had known, you know, like that's it's such like a, a double edged sword, like the way that we exist, you know, just traveling forward in time, not being able to experience it like side to side, backwards, like diagonally, who knows? Uh, fragmented, anything like that. And I just found the ending to be so touching. And it, like, I, I agree with Tyler, like it, that's how it is, you know, it, that's, it's not, it's not like this built up uh, fantasy. It's, it's just reality. And there's something so beautiful about accepting it, or at least our best, attempts in it, you know? It hits... It hits that heart chord. It's that heart chord. And it's, yeah, just Joel. He's like, that boulder is not going to get itself up the hill. And he goes again. And, uh, okay, guys, hold on. I'm a producer. What about instead of ending that way? Joel's chasing her through an airport to catch her before her plane leaves. What about that? <laughs> <laughs> and he does some speech about, you may get on that plane and something, something. What, would you think it would hit as hard? <laughs> I like that ending better. Yeah. Or, or, or yeah, or he says his monologue and then she doesn't get on the plane and just hugs him and kisses him. And then so like, fades. I got off the plane. Wait, this is 04. <laughs> he gets shot a billion times before he gets to the terminal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the ending is really strong. Yeah, for sure. I agree with everything everyone said. And um, yeah, I, could, I wouldn't change anything about the ending. And um, it does feel hopeful, bittersweet. It feels like what you guys have been saying. It's that is romance, and to accept those hardships, to accept the fact that it's going to be extremely difficult. You know, um, yeah, the fact that this film is about second chances and about doing it over again, because um, it's rare to even have that nowadays. You know, to have second chances with people, and um, I think that when it, within itself is hopeful and optimistic in a way so now they know now now they know what the faults are and i think it can only benefit their relationship from this point on so yeah with that being said thank you everyone for you know getting getting back together again i, I love I, again kevin i'm happy that you picked this film i think this was like the perfect timing to talk about it um yeah yeah definitely one of my favorite films of all time like it's it, it's timeless for sure 
Yeah, for real. Thank you for finally getting me to watch this because I probably would have waited like another couple years because I'm so bad. But I'm so glad I watched this. I'm glad I got. I can't wait to put so many people on this movie. I'm glad I got to share it with you all. Yeah, and and, uh, I. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Oh, I just hope that whoever listens to this and has never seen the movie, definitely check it out. It is... There's nothing else like it. Um, Yeah. But what were you saying, Richie? Yeah, I agree with you on there. Like, there's nothing else like it. It's wholly original. And, um, yeah, if, if anyone's listened this far, yeah, you can watch it on Peacock. I think that's, like... I, I couldn't find any other, like, streaming services other than Peacock, so... Yeah, if you have a subscription to that, you can definitely watch this film. Definitely worthy to seek out or even to rent. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, I hope everyone have uh, a very like happy Christmas, Father Christmas, happy Hanukkah, you know, all the shebang and uh, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year's Eve. Happy New Year. Happy New Resolutions. Happy everything.